honey, I'm home. My honey, I'm home. With Hi, honey, I'm home. From the height of your intelligence. Skip Digital Production. Executive Producers Casey Daly, Garrett Teitelbaum, Justin Zell. All right, all right. It looks like we're recording. That's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool, man. We're pretty, pretty cool. Just gonna do the intro now. TFM tonight, Monday. That's the game plan, folks. We're going to put out a new episode of the podcast every single Monday in case you need it. Well, you're going to need this one. It's Ben Corman and yours truly, Garrett Titlebaum, sitting down for a fun chat. He is teaching a level one class that kicks off this Sunday, the 11th at three o'clock. So please get registered. And by all means, if you can't do Sundays, this past week, or just on New Year's Eve, we put out an episode with Chris Wright. His class is on Wednesday nights, starting not this Wednesday the 7th, but the following Wednesday the 14th. So if you have friends that haven't taken any classes yet, you definitely want to sign up. Mike Pedito's class already underway, or full, one of the two. It's not on the schedule list anymore. Greg Gelati still has, uh, at the time that the website was updated, four spots in his level two class. So please get registered. Those classes are on Saturday at one o'clock. Uh, if you want to take some level two with Greg Gelati, highly recommended. That is developing the improvised scene. So if you have finished level one and you're coming right out of it, or it's been a few months, you should definitely hop into Greg's class. Highly, highly recommended. If you want to come and see Greg perform, he'll be a part of the Halos tonight. If you want to see Ben perform, he'll be a part of Fervor. And if you want to see me perform, I'll be a part of Carousel Rehab. So all of the people we just talked about, including Chris Wright, another Halo member, will be at the show this Monday, TFM, and that kicks off at 8 o'clock. Stick around afterwards for the jam at 9.30. So if you haven't gotten a chance over the holiday season to do some improv, this is a great way to get your feet wet before you get back into the class season. This weekend, lots of exciting stuff at the theater. Uh, my two favorite ladies, very close friends of the show, Cello Kitty, We'll be kicking off uh, a show with James Jameson at 8 o'clock. Yeah, those guys take the stage at 9 for their improvised documentary. And Fast and Slow Prov with yours truly and an all-star lineup of wonderful players. That's all this Friday night at 9 o'clock. Not 9 o'clock. Yeah, those guys is 9 o'clock. The day of the week is 9 not nine meaning like no or none. Nine meaning the number. Uh, it's the one that comes before ten, which is on Saturday, where we will be having Pretty Pretty Princess at eight o'clock, a trio of trios at nine, hosted by Kieran, Laura, and Andy. Uh, we've also got Julianne, Pierce, and John, and James, Jackie, and Mindy. That's nine high-quality performers 
all being grouped into threes at 9 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, we've got Hotel Nowhere, uh, a former house team. They used to perform on TFM. Now they're performing on Saturday nights. So get your butts down to the Steel City Improv Theater. And we've got tons of exciting stuff coming up through the end of the month. Uh, if you didn't hear it last week, I am helping book shows now for the Maker Theater, and I would love to get you and your house teams, you former house teams, you and your independent teams, a duo, a trio, a fun thing that you want to try out. Uh, we are in the working stages of getting a Storytellers Monthly Show, a Stand Up Monthly Show, all at the Maker. We've got some sketch stuff that's going to be coming up later on in the winter. And I'm just so excited that I get to help be a part of booking this great space. And that you, all you have to do is talk to me. And I would love to get you and your friends on stage more often there. That's literally all it takes is just come talk to me. And we will find a way to get you onto the schedule um, as, as space permits. I want the best teams out there. I want to put Pittsburgh on the fucking map, guys. There's no reason we can't be doing this every single week, having fun together with our friends. We're even talking about doing some stuff at 7 o'clock, a book club. Uh, who knows? Who knows what else? Uh, some Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of feel stuff. Uh, I want you to feel like this is your home because this place has felt like home to me uh, since I got involved in March of last year. And 2015, we are we are Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka has given us the keys, guys. Let us make this the best year ever for improv in Pittsburgh. I love ev- each and every one of you for listening to the show. Enjoy me and Ben. We chit-chat about our bar mitzvahs. The first uh, fellow chosen one, chosen uh, people on the team or on the show. He and I talk about sketch writing, his work with The Big Deal, and his experience in coaching and in teaching his first class, what his experience with seeing Pittsburgh Improv grow since he's moved to the city from Queens, New York. So without any further ado, my coach and my friend, Ben Corman, on From the Height of Your Intelligence. Absolutely. Um, the first day we ever met, I was like, I was brand new to improv. We were just talking in like the, yeah. in the front of Skit. And I think Pete Holmes came up. Oh, and yeah. I do so, remember. And then it was a long time before we ended up having another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, that's what I got into podcasting from is somebody mm-hmm. saying, you remind me of like Pete Holmes' personality. You should try and listen to his podcast. Yeah. And I love like the overshare sort of. Yeah. He's form the he best. Has. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I think I might have even said like I recommend that podcast to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's just what I like about it is that it's like not necessarily about Pete interviewing the guests, but what is Pete like? Mm-hmm. Different guests. So like depending on whether he has like Deepak Chopra on or like another comic, you're gonna hear two very two very different shows. And he's got such an agree kind of mentality where mm-hmm. he'll he'll mirror and match whatever that person's yeah. kind of mindset is. Yeah, he he can live in anybody's world. Yes. Which I think is cool. Even like I don't know if did you hear the Harris Whittles episode? The most recent one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was insane. Like he's just like, yeah, I was addicted to heroin. For, no, I was. I re, we're recording. We right? are recording. Okay, yeah, I figured it. So, Ben, you're not addicted to heroin. Yeah, I am not addicted yet. 
I'm still like open. I'm still young. Yeah, I'm still open to experimentation. Maybe I'll, I'm not doing anything later. Maybe I'll just. I think heroin's like a when you're in your 70s kind of like well you have to be like pretty well done with life mm-hmm. before I'm doing oh, totally. that if I'm, needle-based drugs. If I'm seven, 70 years old and in good health and have no responsibility, I'm totally gonna do heroin. I think that's when I would do heroin. <laughs> yeah, is when I needle drugs. I will wait until I'm retired. Yeah. Although, like I don't know, if you get sick and go to the hospital, then morphine is gonna do a similar thing. Morphine's great. Have you ever been on morphine before? I don't think so. Not that I can... No, I def- definitely don't think so. They don't do that when they pull wisdom teeth, do they? They use Novocaine. Yeah. And they knocked you knocked me out. I remember me. when they gave me the general anesthesia. Yeah. Not the local kind. I remember, like, the like it comes on super fast. And then the moment before you pass out is, like, the most amazing yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> like, I just... I remember, like, just gradually you start to give less and less of a shit about what's go- about to happen, and then it's just, like, this, like, split second of, oh, my God, this is awesome, and then you're, <laughs> you awesome. wake up with, like, gauze in your mouth. <laughs> I was, mi- I hated the wisdom tooth mm-hmm. surgery. How long ago did you do that? Senior year of high school. Oh. So it's been a while, yeah. You got it when the... They tell you to do it. Yeah, they did it. They were like, yeah, we could wait, but let's just do it. Yeah, I got... One pulled about a year ago. Oh, then I did all four together. At yeah, least. apparently, two these two up here on top are fine. So I and then both of them were bad. Impacted, I think is what they one, call it. Yeah, one was completely impacted. One was probably going to be. So I got the one that was definitely impacted, and then I just left the other one in there. <laughs> Roll the so, dice on this one. Yeah, and the doctor was like, "Yeah, I have a feeling you'll probably see me soon," and. I probably will. Like yeah. every once in a while, I'll be like, ah, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> um, I will say though that there's one unnamed improviser in our community. I will not say who. Oh no! Gossip. But this person had this person has wisdom tooth issues that should probably be taken care of because this person has a solo cup full of blood oh. in their car. Jeez! I will not. Give any hints about who this is, no, but if why? you're listening, then see you should probably doctor. get that taken care of. I would advise you <laughs> seeing a doctor or a dentist at least. Which is worse, keeping like just the fact that you let it get to that point, or keeping a thing full of blood in your car that you don't have yeah. to have. I've been reading, um, I've been reading Bossy Pants, uh, Tina Fey's book, mm-hmm. and she talks about when she first got to the SNL writer's room, how men on the staff would have jars of pee mm-hmm. in their office just around. Like, she went mm-hmm. to move something off a shelf. Jars of pee, that was a regular like, thing? Yeah, like, that's, like, you just leave them there for a while, you don't want to run to the bathroom. That's, like, as close as my bathroom is to us now. Yeah. That's pretty gross, even though jars can seal pretty tightly, and maybe the smell. Maybe, but yeah, know, cups of blood. Yeah, whatever. I personally, I found it hilarious. Yeah, because I can relate to. Because I hate seeing <laughs> doctors. Also, I can relate I to do it. Too, yeah. Um, like I haven't seen a regular doctor in way too long. And do you tell your parents that sort of stuff? Um, do they think you go to the doctor regularly? No, they don't. I think they get it. <laughs> like, I, I think, like, of course, my mom would rather would like to see me at a doctor more often than every like few years or whatever it's been. But um, I think they also recognize that I'm young, and 
that I don't know. Maybe they don't know. <laughs> I like. I don't think my parents realized it because I casually yeah. mentioned it to them like over Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. they were both like, "Maybe you should. You know, you're paying for it anyway with health insurance. Yeah, so you might as well go. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was talking to someone at a bar a few weeks ago about how um, it's so easy to be like, "Yeah, I should definitely see a doctor every like six months or whatever," but then it's like you eventually have to be go, come down to. Do I want to see a doctor next week? Right. You know, it's just like being like, yeah, I know I need it, but. If I don't go, then I won't know if there's anything wrong. Exactly. Yeah, there's that. I'd rather like, live in the denial. And yeah. then also just like, yeah, but now, as in right now, is not the perfect time. Right. So, like, I'm just going to keep putting it There's on. always something I'd rather be doing than going to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even doctors make me more nervous Do than they? the dentist because. The dentist, like, only so much, like, the worst case scenario, if you go to a dentist, it's like, hey, you're going to need a tooth out, or whatever, like, nothing crazy, but if you go to a doctor and he gives you bad news, it's going to be generally way worse. Yeah, it's true. Than you, like, losing a tooth. And did you ever have braces? I had, I never had braces, but because, like, because, like, my parents couldn't afford, like, the full-on brackets and everything, so what they did was they gave me this retainer. That was not like an ordinary, it was called a bite plate. All right. Um, so it was like a retainer, still had the plastic thing on the roof and a wire, but the wire didn't go like across the teeth, okay. like a retainer that you get after braces. It would go in between. So oh, I would. Like spacers almost. Yeah. So there would literally be like metal between like oh. the, my top four front teeth, pushing them together. And I would wear that, I don't know, I wore it, like, daily, like, to school and stuff for a few years. And then I got lazy and started only wearing it at night. Okay. Which turned it, they didn't recommend that, but I was like, fuck this. Because it, it was so uncomfortable. I bet. It's miserable during the day. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I remember being made fun of a lot in fifth grade. Like, freaking assholes. Um, what was the meanest kid at your school? My elementary school? Yeah, what was that kid? There was this kid named Victor. Ugh. And... The thing is, though, he mellowed out so much since elementary school. Like, on Facebook now, I see he's got a kid who's adorable. <laughs> Hi, Victor. I don't hold any hard feelings. <laughs> but he was he was just, like, um, I don't know. He, he was a kid who wanted attention. So, like, I remember he kicked me in the ball. Like, first thing, like, walking in to, like, we would all meet in, like, the gym before going up to our class sure. in fifth grade. I remember just one day just walking right up to my group of friends, which he was in, and for no reason, no words or any instigation, just kicked me in the balls for no reason. Fifth grade Victor, you're the worst, man. He was, and like he would always, I remember he, because I was like the only only Jews at my Queens Elementary School. (laughs) Like we, I lived in a very like Greek and Korean sort of community, so. Like, he would make fun of me for, like, celebrating Hanukkah and, like, not celebrating Christmas and stuff. I mean, I I never got beat up or anything like that, but it was more like, uh, I don't know, he was a funny kid. Like, even I acknowledge that. And, like, we were friends, too, but he was also just, like, kind of a dick. And one time, like, we would play this game in the schoolyard called Asses Up. Okay. You use a handball wall. And yeah. you end a handball, except you just chuck the ball as hard as you can at the wall, and if you don't catch it cleanly, you have to run to the wall before someone pegs you with it. 
<laughs> okay. And I remember Victor would pick on this other kid and just, like, peg the ball at him for no reason. And then one day, it turns out he had Ben, his name was also Ben, he had his dad out in the wings, keeping watch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then one time, the, the dad just snapped and came on and yelled at Victor in front of everybody. It was pretty satisfying. Good. Yeah. Um, so... And then I ended up going to junior high school with him, and, like, he was, he got cooler then, and it seems like he's a decent dude. No grudges. No grudges. No, seriously, no grudges. I mean, if I'm held accountable for the shit I did as a fifth grader, oh, then... yeah, that's fair. Yeah, then we'd, we'd all be fucked. Were there more Jews at your element, or junior high by the time you got there? Not really, no. There were more... I ran into more Jews going to Pitt okay. than at any of my schooling in New York. I mean, I went to, like, Hebrew school outside of it. Sure. By the way, Garrett and I are both Jews. That's so, true. Am I the first Jew on From the Height of Your Intelligence? I think so. I, nice. No one else has come out if they are. Yeah. Um, come on, closet Jews. <laughs> now, both parents Jewish? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Full-blooded, full-blooded but, Sephardic Jew. I was, I've been a man since 99. That's my go-to nice. line. Yeah. Well, wait, you, so you, you're older than me. Yeah, I'm 28. Okay. What are cool. you, 20? 26. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've been a man since 2001. Nice. Um, that was my brother's bar mitzvah year. Nice. Yeah, that was a hoot. What was your theme? My theme? There was no hard theme. As I, I think the, we had themes, like, like, I remember the tables that people sat at had cards on them that had... Ben quotes on them, like nice. just fun, fun things that I've said. I don't remember any of them. It might have even been fun facts about me. Okay. But I remember one of the tables, the card on it was like, look, Ma, it's standing straight up. Ben, age, oh, nice. age four. <laughs> so that was when I first discovered my first boner. My penis. Yeah. Nice. And that's how I told my mom, look, Ma, it's standing straight up. Yeah, I went to... um school in Ohio. Yeah. I'm from uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, originally. It's so a mm-hmm. New York area, but I did high school and elementary school in Dayton. Mm-hmm. And no Jews, just me and, yeah. and nobody else, basically, maybe one or two others. So yeah. like bar mitzvah year, everybody thinks because South Park's out that that's when you get circumcised mm-hmm. and you make all these assumptions that the Jews are right. these totally ass backwards people. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, just because it's on TV doesn't make it true, guys. Yeah, honestly, like, I've, I've read into, like, in New York, in Queens, New York, which is the most ethnically diverse sure. county in the country, I ran into more, like, weird perspectives on Jews there than I did at any point in Pittsburgh. Um, it's just the part of Queens I was from, though. Okay. Like, if, like, like Queens could be its own city. If you, like, go yeah. to another part, then everybody's Jewish. But I just was, like, one one of the only Jews in a very, like, uh, Italian-Greek and, like, Korean uh, place. So I, I still, like, wasn't, like, felt like a minority a little bit. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, the, like, like, I couldn't even bring in self-deprecation as a Jewish thing there because they didn't even, like, watch Seinfeld or... Oh, sure. Or, or, like, <laughs> they Woody didn't know the reference to get anything anyway. like that. Now, you're conservative? I'm not religious at all, really. Like um, Growing up, what congregation oh, were you in? It was like, conservative is the really laid-back kind, right? Reform is as laid... I call it business casual. Um, um, it was more on the... It was probably somewhere in between. Conservative, I would say probably more than half of the congregation keeps kosher. 
It was probably a reform. Okay. Temple, I guess. And then Orthodox are the stereotype Jews. I, that you all see I, in all I could speak for is the people I went to Hebrew school sure. with, and they were generally did not keep kosher. Um, like they all had their bar mitzvahs, and then like we stopped going to the temple yeah. afterwards. Like most Jews. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that would characterize the place, Bay Terrace Jewish Center. Bay Terrace. I'm Temple Bethor. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember my bar mitzvah was the first out of my Hebrew school class of the year. Nice. So, like, I had, like, the rabbi made me invite everyone. Of course, you have to. Yeah. Okay. And, like, it was just, like, a low bar to set. Because, <laughs> like, we couldn't afford, but, like, we rented out just a, a nice restaurant. But, like, I had other friends who, like, had, like these entire banquet halls oh, with multiple yeah. rounds of hors d'oeuvres and like just a crazy amount of space and people there. Uh, I had maybe 50, 50 people there. Yeah, we were we were probably about 100, 110, but it was like at a Doubletree Hotel, mm-hmm. and I was the third one in my class. There were like three weeks in a row in October, oh. and I was like the third week. Mm-hmm. And then there were some people that went all, like this was like yeah. Sweet 16 on crack, mm-hmm. like incredible parties. Yeah. Like circus themes. and Circus just, themes. There was one, my favorite was this guy, Max, who um, had like a Saturday Night Live theme. Mm-hmm. And so a lot That's of cool. comedy stuff and like shot, they cut him into like famous SNL scenes. Oh, So wow. like the Chris Farley stripper scene with uh, Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. was like him stripping against uh, Chris Farley. That's ridiculous. And a few other like Cheeseburger Cheeseburger and like the old school SNL stuff, which I just loved. Um, but yeah, he had like caricaturists and all sorts of like. Yeah, I remember. Ha- I still it's still in my room back in Queens, and I think my mom took it down because she couldn't bear to look at it. <laughs> but I had a caricature done at a friend's bar mitzvah where it was mi- me in a speedo, and there was like an old lady there, and I was like trying to hit on her nice. or something. It was just gr- <laughs> it was, but it really was gross. He drew her saggy tits and oh, everything good. like that, and nice. I had way like huge pecs for a 13 year old <laughs> it was a great picture but yeah we didn't really have a theme at mine mm-hmm. but i used to like have a bunch of penguins or like collected penguins and stuff mm-hmm. so what my mom did it's over there is like a we made penguin beanie babies with taluses and yarmulkes mm-hmm. and then had like a necklace with your name and your table assignment on it so everybody mm-hmm. got to take one of those home um, penguins so, were your thing yeah i guess i like i like a penguin it's a it's a business professional animal <laughs> yeah they look nice I... i'm always curious because like some people i know always have like their like favorite animal Your spirit animal their is spirit animals like i have a friend katie who is just obsessed with squids okay and it's just so it's like and it fits like her personality yeah. too and um yeah so garrett's the penguin i don't know if a penguin fits me now but i like the penguin no, it makes, I don't know, it makes it's a, sense. It's a good looking bird. Yeah. If you gotta go to the zoo, I'm, going, Brazil, to the, I'm yeah. going to the penguins. Yeah. I'm going to the hippopotamus. Mm-hmm. I like a good zoo hippo <laughs> penguin day. <laughs> yeah, one of those days. Yeah. What do you look at at the zoo? Um, I haven't been to the zoo in ages, but I like aquariums more. Is this my water? Yeah, that's yours. Sweet. That's a glass Ooh. I got for the holidays from a cousin. And this glass for the listeners is. I don't get drunk, I get awesome. That's is what, this a 
sober glass? Is this? A, I mean, can't tell if it's you're the first person to drink out of it. So great. Uh, I'm just curious. <laughs> is this trying to tell me to be sober or to get more drunk? To get more drunk. So you get awesome. So you'd be more awesome. Yeah, but right. I put water in it. But you could also interpret it as. I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> I abstain from alcohol. I'm drinking this water, which is going to make me awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, um, my mom was Catholic, so mm-hmm. we grew up Jewish with bar mitzvah and everything, but we always did Christmas with her family, too. Mm-hmm. So we were that one of those kids that did both holidays sort of situations. So I still go, because my cousin, who's my two weeks younger than me, has two little girls, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I did Christmas out there with them in Philly to spend some time with my nieces, is the way nice. I looked at it, yeah. Um, so she got me that glass, her mm-hmm. and her husband, so. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, part of it, like, I kind of wish I got to celebrate Christmas a little bit. It has its moments. We still, yeah. ever since I graduated high school, just because I, I wasn't in the same house as my siblings and my dad, we just condensed Hanukkah to title bomb day. <laughs> <laughs> so you just do one day where you get all the presents and stuff. Yeah, that's a very Frank Costanza kind of deal, <laughs> like, right alongside Festivus. Yeah. Um. Yeah, being an adult, it just boggles my mind how much effort goes into Christmas. Oh, yeah. Like, just so many presents and wrapping presents. Like, as a Jew, it's kind of gratifying <laughs> to see everybody busting their ass so hard. Like, there are trees to buy. You have to buy a tree and put it in your house. Decorate it and buy Seems presents like- for everyone and wrap them. And then, like, visit family and stuff. I'm just chilling. Yeah, it seems like a <laughs> lot of work. Now, yeah. Do you partake in Jewish Christmas? Do you do Chinese and uh, movie? Um, this year I did do Chinese. I didn't do a movie. But I generally do. I did it last year, too. Um, so, um, yeah, I generally, you know, do movie and movie and Chinese food thing. Nice. It's nice. Love a good movie on Chinese food. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be Christmas. Those are awesome. That's, yeah, it's a great rainy afternoon day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should probably talk improv at some point, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, when did you start at the skip? Uh, I took my level one with Brian Gray nice. in, and it was at the skits Back Steel on the City. North side. Yeah, on the North Side location um, at Steel City Improv Theater. For the listeners, don't know the skit terminology, but. Uh, that was in fall of 2012. Did you have any improv experience before that? No. I had never done improv before, but as a student at Pitt, I would go to Friday night improvs at okay. the cathedral. Um, is that, do you know if that's still going on, I think? I don't know if it is. I've seen the Pitt improv team perform at Skip once. Yeah. Like at yeah, the Ruckus. end of the summer. Yeah. I uh, saw Ruckus one time. Yeah. But... Um, no, Friday Night Improvs is. I hope it's still going on. I, can look I think it now. is, because, well, Laurel was doing something over there for the Pitt students, but I think that might have been musical-based. Yeah. Um, but this was, like, a is the longest-running improv show in Pittsburgh. Nice. If it's still going on, it still is. But it was in the basement theater of the cathedral, and it would be audience participation improv. So they would have a host... And anyone in the audience was welcome to participate, and they would do, like, little scenes and short-form games, and if you wanted to be in them, then just raise your hand when they say we're ready for people to come out. Um, I actually recently took a workshop at Arcade with Chris Griswold, who was one of the people I remembered really, like, was hilarious just watching those shows. Sure. Um, 
I was over there last night, and I it was my first experience with short form here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to see the Death Show, and they had Eight Bit Classic open for them. Yeah, they yeah. did short form games and cool. stuff. There's some cool stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's. I've never tried it, so I don't really have. But I liked some of the ideas they had. It was fun, yeah. little gimmicky games that you can get the audience engaged I've pretty done quickly. One of my teams, yeah, those guys, we did a short form set once for a corporate show, oh, and cool. it was like we practiced one time. Like, what games are we going to play? And it was okay. It was a hard environment to do a show in. Yeah. But it seems like, I don't know, as long-form improvisers, we have the basic tools Yeah, to do it. Um, by the way, I'm on the Friday Night Improv site right now. It was last updated August 24th, 2013. Looks like this might not be around anymore. Yeah, that's tough. It's um, been over a year since you updated your website. Yeah, but... Um, Let's see how long they were around before that. 24, 24 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I hope it's wrong. I hope I'm wrong and that it's still going on in some capacity. But I remember I remember watching it. As a Pitt student used to As go. a Pitt student before yeah. ever taking an improv class and then thinking, like, this is a trick. Like, like this isn't really improvised in some way. Sure. Like, because like, I went to school for writing. Oh, okay. So it was like, okay, so stories, nonfiction writing, but still like the same general storytelling concept. And I was like, so much effort goes into creating a good story. How is it possible that these people can just make it up as they go along? I thought it was like, like an illusion of like, they had like maybe a basic formula for how a scene goes and they would just substitute like specifics in and out. Um, I mean, I thought it was hilarious, but part of me was just sort of incredulous. Too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out it, it's too good. It looks too good to be true. So much work goes into being a, a good improviser. To being able to be on your feet. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much practice and class and other things that go into mm-hmm. being able to be funny yeah. on the spot. Uh, there is uh, a benefit show that Sarah Tarosi put together a few months ago. That was at Bloomfield Bridge Tavern. Oh, yeah. And... There, people were up there doing some short form games, and there was a group of like older men who were already drinking right in front of the stage. Nice. And the people started doing scenes, and as like maybe a few lines in, one of the guys just turns his back to the stage and is like, "This, they rehearsed this." <laughs> I, I think he actually said, "They rehearsed this." They rehearsed this. They rehearsed <laughs> this. This ain't improv. They rehearsed this. Um. So, and, like, I totally get that reaction when you first see improv. Yeah. Because it's like, how? How could they be doing it? Yeah. But um, but then you start to do it, and then you start to get that, oh, you're just, like, building stuff on top of each other. So. So as someone who's about to teach their first class, what do you remember from your Brian Gray level mm. on that you're going to try and implement with your students? I remember we spent a lot of time... Uh, I really, really enjoyed that class, by the way, um, obviously, because I chose to take level two and keep doing this. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of about learning not to judge yourself. Because, uh, again, like from with that writer's mentality, I'm always I had a lot of professors who were all about revising, too. So it was really difficult for me to get out of the I'm going to do the perfect thing right now because I'm not going to have a chance to revise it. Um. Or just, like, writing for me is very cerebral, too, so I would, like, maybe get in my head too much. But Brian had a lot of great stuff that was geared towards 
just getting you to like do stuff without judging it, do the first thing that, you know, you can react to. And, um, yeah, just like getting the fear out of you and, uh, getting the self, self judgment out of you. That's really what I took away from that class. So as someone who's more introspective and kind of with writing would want to edit and kind of go through, do you overthink scenes like after a set's over? Do you, uh, do you let it affect you for a while if it didn't go as well as you wanted? I've learned to not let it affect me. Um, like I won't, like if I have like a show or a scene where I think, oh, it could have gone in this direction, I'm not like coming off stage kicking my ass about it. Sure. <laughs> like it will cross my mind. Of course. Um, but I do remember like the writer's mentality probably still does hurt me a little bit, but it would like when I was on my first few house teams, it would definitely like it would definitely hinder my scenes because I was looking too far in the future and not really in the present Yeah, and trying to push a scene in a very specific direction. Um, so that, that, that continues to be, I think my main challenge is to, just stay completely in the moment, and if you see a signpost up ahead in a scene, to just kind of really keep it out of your mind and react with your scene partner instead of trying to reach a certain point in the scene. Make it into a conversation. Just listen. What's the last thing that we said? Mm-hmm. One, I think that was big, and I think it took like the beginning of level two when I realized that no one has to steer. In yeah. order to make a good scene, you can just mm-hmm. have that moment where you're just talking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Staying in the moment is yeah. It's just just really hard for someone who's a writer because like you're you have to research stuff and then you it's a very cerebral process actually right and then to go back have the power to go back and revise. Yeah, yeah. That's all stuff that goes at odds with. But it could also help it in a lot of ways, especially when you're doing something like a Harold. Do you still find that, are you still writing on a regular basis? Is that something you work on still? Yeah, I mean, I I write for a living. Oh, sure. Um, just working in like PR or advertising or digital media. And then, um, and then writing sketch. Oh, sure. So, um, with my group, the big deal. Yeah, with Mary and James. Mary and James, and now Andy Phillips. Is oh, with us awesome! Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am writing in that capacity too, which is super duper fun, and like that's really a perfect way to marry writing with improv and performance. Um, so that's been just like an awesome experience, and we're we're still working on some new stuff for you guys in the new year. Oh, good. Now, with that sort of stuff, because I haven't done anything with Sketch yet, but I'm very interested by it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, like, have a good improv scene and you're like, this would be really good if we expounded on mm-hmm. that? Or are they typically just ideas that you want to flesh out in Sketch only? Uh, we have not really used improv. We use improv concepts when we are, we are writing. But okay. we will not have improv scenes and then develop sketches from them. Okay. So... So generally how, what we'll do is we'll just all brainstorm basic like seeds of ideas. Like here's an idea that we think is kind of interesting. And then we'll write a script or a concept around that idea. And then we'll workshop it with each other and we'll use like improv language to, to sort of make the sketch stronger. So it's like, do we have characters who are believable? Do we, are they reacting genuinely? 
emotionally? Are we heightening the scene emotionally? Are sure. we um, are we using interesting specifics and details? Uh, are you know callbacks? Like sure. call like we like that's one of our um, favorite tools to use is just callbacks and developing characters and watching characters change over the course of a scene or if we have a theme show over the course of the whole show like with our last Halloween show like we saw some characters really really change in the course of two or three sketches um, which I think is really fun so um, I, maybe we will start using improv scenes as a way to develop ideas but like right now like we're having a blast just using using these almost philosophies to, to create better sketch. Now, what's the dynamic like? Because I know you coach Mary and James's duo. Mm-hmm. Um, is that odd as somebody who's like a partner with them on one thing and now you're kind of in a, a coach manager type role? Uh, well, for, like I don't really is... coach them that often. So oh. It's just sort of when they have shows, I'll, I'll drop in and, okay. and coach them for a little bit. This is Snark Park is the, Snark Park. the duo that they Snark have. Park, the duo. And I love their format. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a super, super great form. Um, involves like having three sets of characters that you're constantly switching between. Checking and, on in different parts of the stage. Yeah. I just like that they're not married to being the same person. That exactly. They almost intentionally, when they get back to the duo... They've flipped who is which character yeah. almost every time. So, like, you you have six characters on stage at any given time, and you can play any of them. So that really opens up your options as far as what moves you can make on stage. Yeah. Um, but as far as the dynamic, I mean, um, I don't know, coaching improv is uh, a lot less of a personal thing than, like, working on sketches. Like, uh there have been, like, no issues with, like, you know, maybe me being too critical in a coaching session and how that might affect sketch. It's uh, not really like that. Like, James and Mary are awesome improvisers who don't take your notes personally. Right. And, like, I'm there I'm there to make their show better, and, like, I've performed so much with them. So it's like we're all, we're all there to support each other anyway. <clears throat> so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of separate. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what was your first house team at the skit? My first house team was a little-known team called Return to Sender. And we had a very short run, for good reasons, because we weren't very good. (laughs) Um, Okay. But that was uh, Return to Sender. Here's who we were. We were... It was me and Mike Pedito and Tammy Ross and Patricia Campbell, DJ, Pete McMahon... And Jameson Linz, Okay. I believe. I know all but two of them. And it sounds yeah. like they're all pretty good performers today. Yeah. The ones I know, at least. It was, it was, it was just a weird mix of people. And um, that was, I think, the last run where it was just two house teams. So okay. it would just be us and then Hotel Nowhere. Um, so, like, we would just kind of open uh, to, like, as people are still kind of filing in. Yeah. And then then Hotel Nowhere would kick ass. And be the stars. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my that was my first house team, Return to Sender. We lasted like two months. Okay. And then yeah. after that? After that was Nude Beach. Sure. And that was your first time performing with Mary? Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time I had met Mary. Cool. And 
but yeah, it was my first time performing with James and Graham. Um, I miss Graham. I loved him yeah. on Thunderpants. Graham, you if you're guys. listening, yeah. we miss you. You should come. He's um, so funny when he, when you guys had Thunderpants. Yeah. And that was just like a, a tremendous team. And uh, Tammy Ross was on that team too at the beginning mm-hmm. of the run. Um, and Sarah Tarosi, of course. But Tammy ended up leaving us, which made me like the most senior member on the team as someone who had only been on house teams for like three months. Right. Um, but that was just like an awesome experience and we had a full run and we like went to DCM and that was awesome. Um, Talk about the Del Close Marathon. Oh, that's interesting. It's just amazing. Even if you're not on a team that's getting in or applying even, you should totally go and buy your wristband because it's just the, it's the best way to A, go to New York and have an awesome time and spend like a billion dollars just, <laughs> just like spending three days in New York is crazy. Now, um, did you stay with your family when you were back home? No, or? like we we all rented out a B- Airbnb in Brooklyn, nice. like maybe eight of us, um, and split the cost. It was crazy cheap and awesome, uh, but still, like going out for drinks and transportation, cab rides, and everything, you'll still spend a bunch of money. And um, but anyway, back to DCM. It's just the best way to see as much improv as possible in a given weekend uh you'll see but if you don't know it's like basically 48 or 72 straight hours at three or maybe five or six different venues wow 24 7 improv so you go any any of these six places and walk in at any point with your wristband and see improv rolling around every 15 minutes and changing changing from all over the country weird and then, like, if you go at, like, at the UCB stages, like at UCB Chelsea and UCB East, if you go to those places between, like, 1 a.m. and 5 a.m., they have these weird five-minute bit shows, like nice. Naked Prov, with people doing shows naked. There's a show called Too Many Woody Allens, where it's just, like, <laughs> 17 Jewish guys being Woody be Allen <laughs> Woody for five minutes. Um, and then just, like, yeah, seeing a bunch of... You'll see some terrible shows that yeah. make you feel so good as an improviser. Like, like a team from LA from UCB will come in and just like stink up the joint, and you'd be like, "Yeah, yeah we're better than these I guys." Can do this. And then you'll just see shit that blows your mind too. Sure, I saw this group, some friends of friends who like take UCB classes. It was like this group that had a fifteen-minute slot, like eighteen girls on stage all at once just doing this most amazing tag run like just no scene went longer than like 30 seconds just like just heightening and heightening from this one idea just a huge team and they're all so supportive and it never stopped moving um i actually and then some of the other people who we went with like jocelyn and kat and james they ended up waiting in line at ucb chelsea because you need to wait in line for hours to get into those shows at DCM. And I didn't feel like it. Yeah. And I regret that so much. Because then you get to see just, like, really famous, awesome performers uh, for hours at a time. Yeah. Like, you'll see, like, Ben Schwartz and Aubrey Kelly. Plaza and Mike Birbiglia and, and Matt Besser and Ian Roberts and all these amazing improv people <clears throat> all in, like, 
a row. I didn't know Berbiglia that did improv. He, I don't know if he, I think he was like the monologist in a Mondo type. I was going to say, show. Ben Schwartz does a show in LA, I, I think Snowpants, Snow where he yeah. brings in people who've never done improv mm-hmm. before and incorporates them. So that might be right. I think that's what he Berbiglia did at DCM. Doing. Gotcha. And then Berbiglia did a storytelling kind of thing and then scenes based on those. Nice. He's hilarious. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. His two specials are great. Yeah. And, and then we saw the Ask Hat show, the, the last night, so at the FIT auditorium in the city, it's just like hundreds of people show up to watch long form improv, which is awesome. Like it's a huge auditorium, um, and that was great to see, like Horatio Sands and um, Matt Besser. Who else was in that? They had uh, Broad City. They were the guest monologists. Nice. Um, That's a show I need to do. I've been told by a bunch of people mm-hmm. I, I haven't sat down to do yet. Yeah, Broad City's awesome. Um, so yeah, DCM is just amazing. Even like, I'll probably go like in June, even if I don't have a team that gets in. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just fantastic. And then as a performer being at the after party with, and like, you'll just walk around. I think who did it? Like they have a separate area for the famous people at the after party. But I remember who John Gamberling was just walking around chilling with people. Um, yeah. Festivals in general. Yeah, I had a blast with PCF this year. That was so much fun that yeah. we had a nice festival. In that town. was the best. And like the next one is like around the corner. It's like you know yeah, in the summer, so like six months from there, we're gonna have another one. So uh, I'm super excited. Now you guys uh, with yeah those guys headlined the first night or did one of the yeah we were local one of the three spots. local acts, which was cool. Like we met Judah Freelander in the green room. Um, yeah, it was just great to be a part of that first night. Did you, did you feel any added pressure with it being like a big comedy festival or at this point it's all improv? Yeah, improv? of course. We felt that like I personally was like was a little more nervous than a regular show because there's all this pomp and circumstance around it. And it's like definitely the best lineup talent wise we'd ever been part of. Yeah. Like being able to perform the same night as Judah Freelander and a bunch of great comics and well-known strangers. Um, yeah, that was just a tremendous experience. And of course I was more nervous than usual. Cause like, I would like there are other improv teams from out of town who are watching us and they're going to go back and be like, Hey, Pittsburgh improv festival was fill in the blank. Exactly. Um, so pass judgment on our whole scene. That, I mean, not that that's not necessarily fair, but that's a thought that's in my mind yeah. backstage. Um, so, yeah, but I think we had a decent show uh, for PCF. It was, I mean, regardless, it was just a blast to yeah. be a part of that night. Uh, yeah, and then just, like, being at the other shows throughout the weekend and taking workshops with, I think mine was with Kikowski. Um, yeah, it was just all tremendous. Yeah, they were very interesting. I, I went into the panel with him and mm-hmm. um, Tyler Rico. Yeah, I was like, and very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then people continue to pass along the like exercises and quotes yep. from Kukowski and Talarico that continue to spread like around the community. Yeah, just, well, like 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 pimp freeze tag before before PCF great. nobody was doing pimp freeze tag, and now like everybody who would normally play freeze tag is just playing pimp. Freeze We've done tag. it at jams now because yeah. and it's become part of the local vernacular, totally. which is great. And also they brought the. People weren't really doing the expert presentations. I love that. I love too. the committee or whatever we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, 
keeps you on your toes. I love anything that's just different. And, and mm-hmm. I think you've done a great job when coaching us with Pretty Pretty Princess of mm-hmm. doing those different types of games and yeah. uh, character baseball and different stuff that just mm-hmm. forces you into into a different kind of mindset mm-hmm. or in, initiating with the same line every time I thought was a good drill. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's so much interesting stuff that you can do yeah. in, in practices. Yeah, I almost enjoy... I, I enjoy a new improv exercise just as much as, like, doing a scene. What's your favorite warm-up game? My favorite warm-up game is probably Beastie Boys. Yeah. I don't know. I love rapping, and anything musical kind of gets me out of my head. Um, Beastie Boys is good. Uh, I like Big Booty, too. Yeah. Just, just to get you your head on a swivel a little bit. Uh, but, again, like, I took... That, that workshop with Chris Griswold, who's like a teacher. He's like, he teaches and does improv full time in New York. Okay. Um, so he did a workshop at Arcade and had a bunch of great stuff. Nice. Um, that I'll probably be doing with you guys in, in classes and stuff. And then, like, I was able to do a dry run of Brian Gray and Chris Greg Gelati's workshop. Too. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was yeah, disappointed and, I couldn't make it to that. Yeah, yeah. And that was great, too, because those guys are geniuses. So I'll be stealing their shit too. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's all borrowed and, and Yeah. You know, I mean, there are only a handful together. of exercises I've really thought of myself. Or I've just modified stuff for right. other people. Do you ever think you'll go back to New York as far as to be involved in the comedy scene up there or just to live because your family's back that way? Uh, I don't know. It's not out of the question. Right now, like Pittsburgh is just great for me because I love I love exploring Pittsburgh. I'm still learning new things about it and I like, I like the community here. Um, like I was recently in New York and like I went to one of my friend's shows at UCB and it's just, a, it was amazing. It was great improv and everybody seems super nice and cool, but it's just a huge community and you don't get like, it feels just like a little less personal. Like you're, you're, you're a smaller fish in a bigger pond sure. in New York and not that we're all in this to get famous or whatever, but uh, from what people have told me, like in New York, people might have a harder time becoming better improvisers because they're worried about what their next thing is or what 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 their next achievement. Well, yeah, and is. although there are more stages, there are five times, if not more, the amount of people going for that stage time there. Right, and and it and I think I would argue that here. As an improviser, you can get better quality stage time mm-hmm. uh, because it, unless you're on a house team at Magnet Theater or The Pit or UCB, you're probably going to be doing a lot of bar shows yeah. in New York. Um, it's just like, just it's really hard to get on these house teams, not because you're not good. Like for that team at, of like 18 girls who did that DCM show, apparently none of them we're on house teams. They're, they're all like wow. three levels in at UCB or something like that. So like there are all these tremendously talented people who could absolutely kick ass in Pittsburgh. If sure. They came here, but um, they're, you're fighting a much bigger battle. It might yeah. be more gratifying when you win the battle. Yeah. Um, but what I like about Pittsburgh is that you get to know people individually a lot better. You, you can get better, more and better quality stage time. And it's just, I'm invested in the story of the community. I agree. I think that's a great way to word that. Yeah. Like, I've really enjoyed, like, signing up for level one 
in 2012, and like Skit was the only game in town, and now there there are other people doing improv in other places you can do it, and I think that that's just great for the city. Um, just to, and like word continues to spread, and uh, and that's not just from Pittsburgh too. More people are doing improv everywhere. all over the country. There's cities that are popping up that have real mm-hmm. scenes now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's only going to get bigger. Yes. Um, and, and, like, improv is a very new art form, too, so people are still figuring out what it's all about. Sure. Whenever you tell somebody that you do improv, they assume it's stand-up still, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, is fine. But well, yeah, or the, yeah, I, like, the, I have to explain the two different beasts. Yeah, it's people. always fun to try to explain what improv is <laughs> to a non-improviser. Yeah. Um, but I think at some point, I think it'll be more in the mainstream lexicon. Um, like for example, like at Pitt, my dad is, takes classes with the Osher Institute, which okay. is like their adult, like a non-traditional student thing. It's like way discounted tuition nice. and you take classes with other older people, but they're offering it an improv class this term. Sure. Yeah. Which is great to see like an institution of like higher education, uh, like actually doing improv. So how long has your dad been doing improv? Before or after you started? Oh, he hasn't. Oh, he's just thinking about Yeah, it starts in the spring. I'm trying, to push awesome. him to take, I'm trying to push him to take it. Yeah, that would be um, so cool. But, yeah, I mean, like, long-form improv's only been being, like, it's only been around since, like, the 80s or maybe late 70s or right, whatever. Right, in the form that we know it as, yeah. Yeah, so, like, people are still figuring out what it is, and now, more so than 20 years ago, they're, like, kids growing up in places where there's an improv theater, like, within walking distance, and that hasn't always been the case. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see Pittsburgh grow more as an improv town, but also, like, every town as an improv town. Of course, across the country, and the world would be nice. Yeah, because, like, we all, I I want, I, I really hope improv becomes a along the lines of, like, TV and movies and books, um, people will have their favorite improv teams that might not even be in their own city, but people would know who they are. Sure. Um, and I think, I don't know, the internet will probably tie into that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I hope it does. Um, I hope I'm not putting too much pressure on improv right now. <laughs> I think improv can take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what day are you teaching class? Uh, Sunday? Yeah, it'll be Sundays, um, 3 to 5.30. That's when I took my level one, and I love that time of day to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the time really makes no difference to me, but yeah, it's always nice to have a weekend class as opposed to... A weeknight, I think, is tougher, especially with people who work odd different hours and schedules and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the toughest part of improv, is trying to get the entire team to be able to practice on one day. Oh, God. And, and the coach. The worst. And, yeah, it's become such like, a headache, no matter what yeah. day you're trying to pick. Somebody We're all such busy conflict. and talented people, right? So you, can't get, you can't get two hours of free time <laughs> between all of us. We're busy doing awesome things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how many more spots are available in class? Do you know? I don't know how many there. spots are left, but there are still spots left. So... Okay. Um, for those of you listening, you could go to steelcityimprov.com and, and see if you can add our class to your cart. Um, if you can't make mine on Sundays, then <clears throat> Chris Wright and Mike Pedito are also teaching level one classes. 
And also me and Justin Zell are doing a sam- a free sample class next Saturday. Nice. The 3rd, and that's at 1 p.m. at the skit. So, yeah, you can just go and sign up for that for free. And if you like it, which I would wager you will. Of course. Then, then yeah, sign up for a level one class. Or if you can't sign up for level one, just start seeing a bunch of shows. Because there's no one saying you can't go to show, watch shows and do jams. Jam every Monday, we let anybody Yeah, and then, and then by the time the next level one rolls around that you can't afford or you can't make, then... Yep. Then you'll have a leg up on everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing the jam. I think mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite. That's when I first started to like feel like I was getting into this. Is mm-hmm. when I went to the jam every week when it was still on Thursdays. Yeah. And it's like I have class, I have a jam, and then a practice group. And once you're doing it like two or three days a week, that's when you start to actually get better. Yeah. Yeah. Jams are just good for anyone. Just to play with new people. Play with different people. People different. you've never met before. Like a person, I think I do the best scenes. When I'm with someone I've never met yeah. before, I wish I could be that in the moment. Like, all the time. With, all the time. Take care of each other, mm-hmm. especially, yeah. I like doing the draft for the same reason, mm-hmm. where it's like, you're going to get some level ones, you're going to get some people that are on house teams, yeah. and it's like, just see what we can do from Yeah, you from really there. just have, like, it, it kind of encourages you to commit more and to be a little more, take more risks. Yeah. Um, and just give your scene partners so much to work with. Just mm-hmm. give them gift after gift, and I think... I don't know why, but for some reason, that's a lot easier for me in a jam environment. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's less pressure, I guess, yeah. to, to do great work. And yeah. it just becomes about mm-hmm. the scene. And it's even more, jams, scenes and jams are even more like never never seen before, never to be seen again. Yep. Because like, even on a house team, yes, the show itself is a one-off thing, but you're still a team and you're going to be judged every week, week you're going to see each other in the same yeah but same like as seen in a jam that could be the only time uh, two people perform together yeah I like that well, what we're doing I'm, I'm thinking because it's the beginning of the year we're about to be in 2015 what's your mm-hmm. new year's resolution do you do that uh, every year do you have goals for yourself no I mean what was mine last year my my lose weight stop smoking my, my uh, new year's resolution last year was to take more recommendations from friends. Oh, interesting. So if someone was like, hey, you should watch this TV show, like, if I were to... And I kept it to some degree, but I would be like, yeah, I'll actually watch that because that's my New Year's resolution. I'll listen to what you have to say. Interesting. Um, And I might have picked up, like, I think I started watching the Eric Andre show and Broad City and um, Key and Peele because people had recommended that stuff to me. Sure. Uh, For this year... I guess it's my, I would say one of the, it sounds silly, but just eat breakfast. <laughs> good one. I skip breakfast every single day. It's probably so bad for me. You got to get that metabolism Speaking of being, started. Like, having yeah. to see a doctor, shit. Like I drink coffee on an empty stomach till noon every day. Yeah, that's not that's good That's not for you. good. Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I would, and I stopped riding. I used to ride my bike to work every day, and for most errands, and I stopped doing that this summer. So I would like to get back on that. That's tough in the winter. Yeah, I mean, but I the thing is, I used to ride in blizzards to work really? out to Millvale wow. every day, and I, it was like no big thing. And now like, it's like I like I would have like all my warm weather equipment and my little mask right. and. I would bundle up and have layers, and it would be super... It's a great workout. And surprisingly, like, easy. 
and a great way to wake up in the morning. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> um, but I stopped doing that. Maybe for the new year, I'll pick up on biking to work, um, eat breakfast before that, and what else? Um, and just like, I don't know, comedy-wise, just like yeah, do a bunch of shit. Calls. Just like do as much shit as possible and um and yeah, yeah, just improv, sketch, teaching and coaching. I'm just gonna try to do as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Stay it's involved. Good. Get stage time. Yeah, I mean it's I I just know I'm a happier person the more I do. Like I the more I do, the less like less of a shit I give about being busy and getting no sleep. Agreed. Like I will trade I will trade a week of no sleep for, like, an awesome improv. sketch show or yeah, sketch show. So, uh, so yeah. I, I I realize that about myself now. Like, if there was a certain point when I would overvalue, like, oh, I need this much sleep or I need this much free time to be happy. It's, like, kind of the opposite. Fill your hours with the stuff that fulfills you. Yeah. And then you don't really worry about the rest of totally. it. Totally. Which is, like, why this Christmas vacation with, like, no teams practicing and like I have vacation days to burn. It's like, oh, so this is what boredom feels like. <laughs> Getting a ton of sleep, like I said before. Right. But, but it's like I feel empty inside. I can't wait for shows tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. I did a workshop yesterday with Woody um, just because my house team wasn't practicing yeah. today. Was that his free level one? Workshop? Yeah. And I was like, I, that's literally the only chance I had to do anything for two weeks because mm-hmm. I've been out of town. And I was like, I have to do something before Monday night, otherwise I'm going to be totally out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked it. I liked his, um, yeah, I think he's a good, good guy. Yeah. It was the first real interaction I had with him. So Sweet. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I might try and do his Thursday, only because my goal for 2015 is to do more open mics. Mm-hmm. So I want to do stand-up, and yeah. I just had, I've been in love with improv so much since mm-hmm. I started in March, I haven't done that much of it yet. So my goal is to do 100 open mics next right. year, so two a week. Yeah. Um, and so his class is on Thursdays and it's right next to Hambones where they do open mic on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So nice. like it would, it would pair up nicely as a way to force me to start doing that one at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. We haven't talked about stand up at all, which is like one of the reasons I took that first improv class. Yeah. Like I like wanted to be a stand up, but was too nervous. Like I'd done a few open mics and was too nervous to really commit to it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take this improv class and that'll at least get me in that yeah, I'm going to do it kind of mindset. And that's the same thing with me. Like mm-hmm. when we started talking about Pete Holmes at the beginning, yeah. that's what his for- foundation was. Yeah. So I go, well, if that's how Pete started, let me mm-hmm. dip my toe here and feel more comfortable. And I've done four this year, open yeah. mic, so not enough to know if you're good or not yet. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, and they're spread it, out, too. It's like one during each of my four classes. Yeah, you got you got to admire those guys, who, the ones who come out for every open mic. Absolutely. And it's just so it's just so hard. And, like, if you're a newbie on the scene, then you're going to end up getting a very late yeah. call to the mic. Yeah, about 1130 and, or midnight. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's a hard environment to perform in. But, like, for the, those people who can commit to that, that's, like, fucking awesome. And I give you, like, all the credit in the world. Is that still something you think you'd want to do more of? I've been thinking about it lately. Um, I don't know if, like, now necessarily is a good time, but maybe um, maybe at some point in the near future I might give it a shot again. Cool. Yeah. yeah that's the night, like, as you were saying about Pittsburgh, the scene has grown so much. There are mm. open mics almost every day. Yeah, there are you know? yeah, def- more open mics than there were, like, when I started doing them. Yeah. So. And now, 
uh, my teammate and a good friend of yours, Ian McIntosh, mm-hmm. told me you guys are getting your duo up and running yeah. hopefully this year. Yeah, we're going to, Fingersuckle will be back on the 23rd, where we'll be hosting the duo show um, with a couple of other great duos. Oh, awesome. So that should be fun. Ian's like just an amazing guy to be around and to perform with. He's a great teammate. Just has the best guttural reactions <laughs> on stage. Like, like he'll he'll respond to an initiation with just like a really off the wall nonchalant comment, and it'll really just like propel the scene. Yeah, just a funny dude. It's just really physical too. Yeah, absolutely. It's been yeah. real. He moved into the neighborhood. Um, maybe like three months ago. So I see a ton of them now, which has been great. Yeah. Um, Cause he was one of the first people in the community that was like super excited and supportive about mm-hmm. coming out and getting to know you and making sure you were doing the jams and stuff. So I, yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been nice to be on a house team with him. So. Yeah. Um, now you're on fervor mm-hmm. and you, have you played with almost everybody on that team before you guys got together? Uh, the only ones I've never played with were, I mean, Let's see. The ones I have played with were Mary, Kieran, Laura. I think that's it. Were you on Smack and Cheese with Kieran and Laura? No, no, that was that was the same run as Nude Beach. Oh, that's right. Okay. So I was, yeah. So yeah, Mary, Kieran, and Laura I had all performed with, but Jordan, Andy, and Kat were all new to you. But the thing is, though, like I had seen them all perform, and Mary had performed with Kat and done classes with Jordan and Mary lives with Andy. Andy. So it's like we're, we, we all kind of were in the same circle beforehand, which like there was just a really short getting to know you period. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, like we didn't have to like go out for drinks and just like introduce ourselves. Cause we all kind of knew each other already. Um, yeah. Just, I love this team a lot. I was going to say, we're about halfway through our run of house teams now God. at this point. Halfway. Well, it ends in March, doesn't it? End in March. I guess so. Yeah, that's at least when my performer passes up. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about how things have gone so far? Trying to do Harold in a short time period. Uh, it's it's definitely a challenge, but I I, we're trying so hard to get to third beats, (laughs) even though we have like we have decent shows. We have a lot of really good shows. I think. Um, I love your opener. Yeah, our open our opening. We kind of. Uh, this is our opening was something we saw from the union, which okay. was the teacher team back on Skit's north side location. Okay. So Mike Pedito, when he was coaching the gun called Christopher Walken, he showed us that opening and we people weren't crazy about it. Okay. And then when Fervor started and Tom Accio was our coach and he was on Walken with yes, me. Yeah. And I was like, hey, remember that? opening that Mike showed us let's try that so yeah I love our opening um, which is basically getting three objects and exploring the details of the objects and finding a way to make them all interact um, on stage in just a few minutes Um, yeah but I think uh, I think Fervor is a really fun team to do a Herald with yeah because everybody has a really good sense of how to heighten an idea um, and brings just crazy details. And every single person has a unique strength on the team, which is great. Now, with teams with such distinct personalities, like comparing a gun called Christopher Walken to Fervor, mm-hmm. 
how do you think the kind of feel of the team affects the show, the type of show you guys put on? Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, having a team full of people who are friendly and not that Walken wasn't, we all got along great, but it's like we, it wasn't a team that hung out necessarily okay. uh, outside of shows. Whereas Fervor, we're all going to the same, like, New Year's party and stuff like that. So we'll <clears throat> bring a, a better energy in general to practices and to shows. And that's only that's only going to help you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that we, we really have each other's backs on stage. And, uh, and we all laugh at the same kinds of things. Um, and and we'll, we'll recognize the intent of each other's moves and stuff so yeah i mean i i think i think i mean i I really hope you just get better too yeah um i think tom's a great coach too yeah yeah tom's tom's awesome and he brings a perspective that you might not get from classes and and i just loved watching him perform too one of the things i don't like about him coaching so much is that i don't get to see him on stage yeah because he plays the most brilliant like mad scientist maniacal angry person i've ever seen like on hotel nowhere i would just root for there to be a scene where tom gets pissed (laughs) off about something yeah and described him as a pixar villain oh my god yeah fits very well he is a great pixar villain perfect do you have a uh like any pre-show rituals before you go out stuff that you like to do before Uh, you get out on stage i can't eat too much sure i understand Um, that one completely I've been not drinking before shows, which I think has helped me. I think I've had some really great shows with a few beers in me, but I've also dr- had one too many mm-hmm. and not been as sharp. sharp as I was like. So right now it's don't eat too much, don't drink, um, warm up. I don't like skipping warm ups. Agreed. Um, yeah. And be on time. Those are my only rituals, really. Okay. Um, in the past, I've had to nap before shows, but I think that just fucks me up. You can end up being, like we were saying, too tired. You yeah, too you have to sleep. wake up all over again. Like, it's the morning. I don't like that. Do you have any favorite scenes from the Fervor run so far? Any beats that stand yeah. out to you? Um, I liked... And these are my favorites. These aren't necessarily the ones that got the best reaction. Right, that's okay. Um, me and Andy did a great scene where we were two dudes, and we both had incidentally cheated on our wives. <laughs> and Andy was a character who could not keep a secret. I remember the, that one, yep. For the life of him. So he would just create these situations where he's just, like, in the craziest ways letting the secret out. Like, he's not telling people the secret with his mouth, but he's writing letters to people <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. Or, <clears throat> or he's just, like, going to a bar getting drunk so he doesn't care as much about giving away the secret. Nice. Um what else was there? There's a great group game where we were all mad scientists, but the game was like that. Everything was a generality. So it was like, like yeah, add more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> now mix it up and stack it up on the top blue of each one. other. Yeah, the blue one. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, and we've had a bunch of great shit and practices that, sure. that has never been seen. That's probably better than anything we've done in the show. Do you feel like that's tough when you have great stuff in practice and then you go on a run where like the scene, the shows are just okay? It, it, it sucks that no one you know got to see us fax Lassie to the moon, <laughs> but 
Uh, on the other hand, that shit gives you more confidence going Absolutely. to a show. So it's like, yeah, we did this awesome thing in practice, but if we can do it in practice, we could do it in and show. So I like to use it for inspiration. Now, the way Tom runs practice, how much of it is running through full shows and how much is it at like games and different stuff uh, you guys do? We'll, we'll do some focused exercises for maybe at least half the practice and then we'll do one or two runs at the end. So it's maybe, I'd say 60% exercise, 40% doing runs. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest advice you have for people who are nervous about doing a level one or mm. um, about to start doing a class here in the near future? Uh, this is something Chris Greg Gelati told me, uh, which is fuck your fear. <laughs> so uh, I think all of us, even experienced improvisers, have some sort of fear. I think the what's great about improv is that it teaches you to accept your fear, but just to disregard it. Like there's there's not there's not, no one saying you can't be scared or be nervous, but there's a certain power in not letting the fear affect you. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah. I see you I yeah, fear. You're right over my shoulder right now, breathing into my ear. Like there's I I just love being able to be like, Yeah, you're there right now. You're kind of scary, but you're not going to affect what I'm about to do. Um, there was a good quote they had up before they started doing renovations in the bathroom uh, from Amy Poehler that said something like, um, there's a lot of power in looking silly and not, not caring, caring. Yeah. which I loved. I thought that's such a good way to look mm-hmm. at it. Yeah, and I, it's 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 a like it's an outlook that'll take you places outside of improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say... It's just it's just really empowering to have something you're afraid of and to conquer it and surprise yourself. So um, so yeah, like people out there who are thinking about doing improv, like just fucking do it because you like it's a classroom setting and you have nothing to lose and you're experiencing it right. with all these other people, um, and you're just you're just all in the same boat. Yeah, it's such a. I don't know. Anybody who's involved, I think, will tell you it's the best thing they've done mm-hmm. with their time. Yeah, totally. Like, there's a reason that the community's growing so much, like, nationwide. It's because every almost everyone who tries it loves it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. When we say, like, fuck fear, do you have, like, a biggest fear? Something not necessarily stage-related? Something you're afraid of? Um, there are, like, I don't know. I have these just irras- random irrational fears, like... Like, with my cat, I'm afraid that, like, <laughs> as I close the door to leave or come in, then he'll try to get out and the door will slam on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. there, there's that. Um, <clears throat> uh, losing my parents, that's one of them. Sure. Um, I mean, improv-wise, sometimes I'll... I, this isn't a consistent fear, but, like, sometimes I'll be like, what if just in a scene i told someone what i really thought about them <laughs> like be, like i don't know just like totally breaking in a scene not and, playing a character at all anymore. yeah not playing a character at all bringing anymore. up personal like, life stuff yeah bring personal life stuff into scenes which i think i've done to some extent uh, but sometimes i work and, and like awesome scenes can come from it awesome yeah. scenes can come from real emotions. playing out truths yeah, playing out truths and real emotional dynamics between real people yeah uh, but sometimes uh, 
like there's always that chance that you'll bring info that's a little too real. Yeah. For, and like, not that that's a huge fear of mine. No. But, that something great could come out of it. Yeah. But um, stage wise, it's like, yeah, that would be awkward as hell. <laughs> yeah. If that person's not on board with it, that could be real uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, other fears, prison. <laughs> that's a, yeah, no, I, not that I, I do anything worthy of being sent to prison, but being incarcerated would be tough. But yeah, that's scary. It's just like not being able to go anywhere must suck being an inmate. You just work out all the time and read books. Yeah, I don't know. I'd probably be too depressed to even work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those like you have nothing else to do. Yeah, I'd find a way to like I don't know start a sketch group. No, not even like somehow I'd find a way to become the laziest inmate ever. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, or maybe I, I don't know. There's only one way to find out. And that's by Commit some crime. crimes. Yeah. Get, <laughs> get arrested. Uh, let's see. What's the last five things you did? Last five things I yeah, did. Yeah, what have you been up to? It's your break. Uh, okay, so this morning I sent some improv related emails. Um, Coordinating schedule sort of stuff. Schedule stuff and coaching stuff. Um, what else? I, what did I do before that? I slept till 10 right. today, I guess it. That's got to be nice. I, what I time talk, did you go to bed? Like, before midnight. Oh, okay. So um, nice long sleep. Yeah, I spent some time, I don't play many video games, but I bought myself a video game last week, which I've been playing. What's your game right now? Uh, Far Cry 4. Okay. For PS3. I've been liberating those outposts. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I fed my cat and gave him his medicine. What's your cat's name? Oakley. Oh, nice. That's my cousin's dog's name. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I actually, the cashier at Rite Aid, her daughter's name is Oakley, apparently. I would, <laughs> Oaks the Smokes, which is just... Oh, my God. Another Oaks. That's what yeah. I call my cat. Yeah. I call him Oaks, too. Um, yeah. and less for, you picked the wrong day to Number five, yeah. Last <laughs> five things I did because this is probably the least busy week I've had in a year, possibly more. Um, yeah, just, yeah, work is coordinating schedules and, uh, I did work on Friday. I don't know. I cleaned my apartment yesterday and I... Nice. Maybe I'll watch some basketball. Oh, yeah? You big basketball fan? I am. I didn't know that about you. I've gotten back into it. this past. I grew up a New York Knicks fan. Sure. And just this past maybe six months, I've really gotten back into it. I've really been enjoying it. Just from a... I don't know. It's, basketball games are... It's a nice background noise, and I like, I like to look at the players as characters, and <laughs> I, I get invested. I think by far... Basketball players have the best, most interesting personalities of any athletes. That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, was it Phil Jackson coming back to town that got you excited about the Knicks again? Or Carmelo? What is it? I think... Let's see. I don't know. I think I started watching again in the playoffs. Sure. And I was really entertained. And then the Knicks brought Phil Jackson in and re-signed Carmelo. So um, I started like watching again. I don't know. I just, I, but it's not just the Knicks though. Like I'm watching like all the games. Nice, nice. Not not all of them, but like if I'm home and nothing to do, like, the I'll, NBA I'll is always on. on. Yeah. I'll switch on a game. Like I think well, I love watching the Warriors and 
Golden State's a blast. I saw them play yeah. in Cleveland this mm-hmm. week last year. Nice. Um, and it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're so fun. Like, I'm rooting for them because yeah. the Knicks are fucking balls this year. I love the Clippers. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a fun lineup. I love DeAndre Jordan and yeah. Blake and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a f- the way they play basketball, I think, is mm-hmm. fun. I was a big Tim Duncan fan when I was, like, getting into basketball, like mm-hmm. his senior year at Wake Forest. So I followed him to the Spurs. So I've watched that team for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to hate LeBron because it was easy, mm-hmm. and I grew up in Ohio but not from Ohio, uh-huh. so it was easy to hate their sports teams. Uh-huh. And then I felt really bad the way he treated them. Uh-huh. And I think it's <clears throat> for for his legacy. Going back is the smartest thing he's ever done because mm-hmm. he only has to win one more title now yeah. instead of four. Yeah. Uh, no, I was happy to see him go back to. Um, and, I mean, yeah. I, but then again, I think it wasn't the obvious decision. Right. Like, like it, it took balls to go back. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that, like, the Cleveland people, like, don't seem to hold much of a grudge against him. The only thing Cleveland wants is a championship. Yeah. And they don't care how they get it. Mm-hmm. If you're the guy to do it, you could punch them in the face. Yeah. As long I hope, as they I hope they title. do it. And, like, I don't know, I don't think there are many, like... Legendary basketball players who brought a championship to their home. No, um, like Jordan was from like North Carolina, and Magic was from where? Is he from LA? I don't know. Where Magic I don't think from. he's from LA originally. Yeah, but, but uh, and I think maybe Kobe might have been from. Kobe's a Philly guy. Kobe's a Philly guy. Yeah, like yeah. and Shaq was. Where's Shaq from? Charlotte. Shaq went to LSU. I don't know where he was from yeah. before that. But, um, um, but yeah, I'd love to see LeBron take a championship. They deserve it. I, I, but on the other hand, I want to see the Knicks win a title so bad. Which do you think happens first? I think the Cavs will win. The Cavs will win a title in the next three years, I'm guessing. Um, What was it I said? I was hanging out with Ian last night and we were talking about sports with his buddies. So what happens first? The Browns win a championship or the Cubs uh, for baseball? I don't know much uh, enough about NFL football to say about the Browns. Or really baseball these days. Uh, it would be cool to see the Cubs win a championship. Now, being from Queens, did you root for the Mets growing up? No, I was a Yankee fan. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, that was another way. I, not only was I the Jew, <laughs> but I was the Yankee fan in Queens. Um, so, yeah, I grew up watching the Yankees. Okay. Most of my family were Yankee fans. So I got to see those championships and stuff. I was really spoiled. Um, they had a great run. They did have a great run, but... Um, that run is over now. All those players are gone. Yeah, having Jeter go out this year. That's the last of them. That's the last of the big four they brought up together in 97 yeah. or whenever that was. Yeah. Um, yeah, class act. I always liked watching Jeter play. Mm-hmm. I was a Mets fan growing up, and then when I graduated college, I had been unemployed the first few months after I graduated, and I just said, whatever city takes me, I will adopt everything about that town. That'll be my town forever. Uh-huh. So Baltimore was the first place I got a, a job. So sweet. Ended up living a mile away from Camden Yards and M&T Stadium, so Ravens and Orioles. It's a beautiful stadium. Gorgeous, yeah, yeah. One of the prettiest. And so uh, we used to go down on Sunday day games and just sit out and watch the O's, and they've really improved since I moved there in 09 because um, I saw the last – Two years under 500 of their 13-year run of being terrible. Mm-hmm. And now they get into the playoffs and then just miss the playoffs and then win the division by 12 games this year. They've done a lot. Um, and I like I just like the way Buck Showalter manages. Um, as a, he's a former Yankee manager, yeah. too. Um, I 
I'm glad. Yeah, I just love watching him play mm-hmm. and the way he runs the team. Yeah, I would say though that I say the Cavs are going to win before the Cubs do. Yeah, I think the Cavs will win probably next within the next two three years. Mm-hmm. LeBron's yeah. too smart to yeah. to not. Yeah, it's almost like big threes aren't good enough anymore. No, it's, it's like true. every team has a big three now. They're going to need to bring in a. You and know, then you need a fourth four. player, like yeah. the Spurs. Um, God, I can't think of the kid's name. Who's their young the, the Kawhi player. Leonard? Yeah, Kawhi. Yeah. Who ended up being the MVP last yeah. year against yeah. against Cle- or against Miami? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Rondo did for the the Celtics whenever yeah. they had their big three, and then he became the star. Mm-hmm. Although the week I got to Boston, they traded him, <laughs> so I feel bad that I scared yeah. him out of town. Although they seem pretty happy about it, the people I talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a college basketball fan, but I do watch the NBA for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'll catch maybe 10 games during the regular season, and then I'll watch the playoffs pretty much top to bottom. Yeah, at Pitt, I, I would go to like the Pitt games and be in the student sure. section with my T-shirt and do all the hand movements and chants and shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember one game against West Virginia where... Ronald Ramon hit a three at the buzzer to win it. And I was like the closest I had ever been at a game. It was just tremendous. There's uh, college basketball that is incredible. Yeah, the energy is so much better. Yeah. Even even I'll admit, as an NBA fan fan, it's like college basketball. You feel no tie to it. It's like they're they're there, yeah, they play for your city and stuff, but at the end of the day, they don't care about you. Mm -hmm. They don't care what happens to the city. Yeah, like college kids, they're like just as broke as we are. Right. This is our (laughs) and, and whatever it is. That unites you and all the people you went to school with, mm-hmm. all the family, all the people who support that team. Yeah. So, like, Dayton, where I went to school, we made it to the Elite Eight this year for the first time in 30 years. And so I got to go and see us beat Ohio State, beat Syracuse, and then I went down to Memphis for us to beat Stanford and then lose to Florida, who was the number one seed. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, so much fun. I mean, yeah. just to follow the team. My dad's worked at the school since 96, so I've oh, seen the team awesome. for almost 20 years now. Your legacy. Um, yeah. Three coaches, at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the Dayton Thunders. That's my squad. Um, what's another good question? What's the first concert you ever went to? New York City is the mecca for uh, entertainment. What did you get to see? My first concert was, I think it was Green Day okay. at Webster Plaza. It was like I was in junior high school, I think. Nice. I think, yeah, I think it was Green Day right before... Maybe a few years before the American Idiot album. Okay. Dookie was that the year. first CD I ever bought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was one of my first also. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it was Green Day, Webster Plaza. I think that was my first one. Nice. Yeah. I haven't gone to a, a lot. Not really. a ton of concerts? No. Again, because I was only in New York till I was 18. Sure. So it's like there's only so much you can you do. You can do as a teenager. Yeah. Do yeah. um, you see a lot of stand-up? Back in New York, or again, not no, when you're again, under like I, yeah. I was a kid, I was I was like being editor of my high school newspaper. Oh, me too. Nice, yeah. cool. Yeah, we were called the Verdict, the Panther Press. Yeah, but like <laughs> going back to comedy, like the best thing we ever did at the school newspaper was our April Fools nice. satire issue, <laughs> where the this guy Seth Seth Pollock, who's still in Queens, I think, he wrote the most amazing cover story for our April Fools issue, which was. Local high school, the headline was local high school student newspaper demands anonymous donations delivered in paper bags. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just like a picture of our own issue being like, hey guys, give us money. (laughs) Give us money now. That's awesome. Yeah, I love doing newspaper stuff in high school. Yeah. Um, 
that's what I did in the newspaper. We had a TV show for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I loved being journalism. That's what I wanted to do forever. And yeah, I me too. Yeah, I went to school for like nonfiction writing. Yeah. Um, not sure if I always wanted to be a journalist, but I definitely, I definitely like the process of nonfiction writing and like research and and just converting it into a story. Cool. I like that process, and I still do freelance journalism, like medic, like science writing. Oh, every interesting. Once in a while. Nice. Um, but right now, I'm just way more interested in comedy than anything journalism related. Who are your favorite comedic influences? Um, let's see. I loved everybody on Saturday Night Live in the '90s. Oh, sure. Like I would like Tim Meadows and Horatio Sands and. Jimmy Fallon. And, oh, God. Dana Carvey. I think Dana Carvey might be my number top three. He was on Pete uh, yeah. this past couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. and it just dropped my really memory about all the awesome shit that he used to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Dana Carvey and Jim Carrey, especially Jim Carrey in The Mask. Okay. And I love Mike Birbiglia. Mike Birbiglia. Yes. Um, I just love his, his view, his viewpoint. Uh, let's see what else. My own mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was like the first character I ever played was basically an impression of my own mom. <laughs> and that has influenced a lot of what I've done too. Sure. So. Very stereotypical Jewish mother from New York. No, I wouldn't even call it stereotypical. Not coffee talk grandma, but. No, cause, cause she's not a caricature. She her her accent might be yeah well but but her her outlook isn't okay so that's what I enjoy about it nice nice yeah but it also gave me the confidence to do more characters it's like yeah and there's this one thing I know I can do down pat who's to say I can't do another type of character like that so, yeah, absolutely um what else comedy influences because there's a difference between really liking something and, and being an influence that's fair. Um, what were your early kind of comic gems, like other than SNL from the nineties? Honestly, like it was out just a lot. High school, a lot of SNL. Yeah, I would watch it every weekend. Uh, let me think. What do you think of the cast today? I haven't watched enough to say. Okay. I know I've, I've I've seen a couple clips of some recent sketches, and I like them. They've had a few good weeks this se- this season. Yeah, some really like good ones. Their serial parody was really good. Yeah, with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy uh, Chris is just coming into the house. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I'd say that's that's my short list of influences. I, and I do love Pete Holmes, and I love the the sort of open book perspective yeah. he brings to to his podcast. And to his stand-up, too. Yeah, his stand-up stuff's great. Did you watch his show when it was on Epic I watched Conan? a few episodes. It was good. There's some really it was good. good stuff in there, yeah. Yeah. I'm rooting for the guy. I am, too. Get I, I oh, and John Mulaney. God, I love John Mulaney's stand-up, too. New in Town is so funny. His spe- and in the first special, I can't think of the name, but he's got mm-hmm. two really good hours. Oh. Yeah. Have you watched his show at all? I haven't, because I heard it's terrible and probably... It, it is. He yeah. was on. He was on Marin talking about how it's not working out. Yeah, I listened to that episode so. too. Um, there's a great Pete cameo, and I think episode four or five, okay. where he's like a youth pastor. Uh huh. So just yeah, he perfect Pete Holmes. Yeah, as a youth pastor. Um, but a yeah, very very funny cameo. It's fine. They're trying to do a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, is like I think it's a studio audience, but it's like mm-hmm. very like laugh heavy and 
It is what it is. I like Yeah, it, it has like a full laugh track and everything. I don't think it's a laugh track. I think it's a studio audience. Oh, okay. Um it, it's good. It I has mean, its moments, but it's it's nothing that I remember I, seeing one scene from it on YouTube and it's nothing that I would say like you gotta check this yeah. out. Like I would if speaking of John Gemberling earlier, he's on Marry Me, which is Casey mm-hmm. Wilson and um Ken Moreno. Uh-huh. That's probably the best new comedy this year that I've sure tried. It it's okay. But it's like it's Well it's still, still it's, it's still twenty fourteen. So that's I still right. get to follow my resolution. That's right. So yeah, check out Marry Me. Yeah, you guys. Um, you got three more days to throw your recommendations at me. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that one's been canceled yet. Yeah. <laughs> they cancel a lot of stuff, though. Mm-hmm. What about TV dramas? Do you any, oh, uh, that's ever? another thing. It's a whole different can of worms. What a, I've been into... I, I watched Homeland okay. this season, which I really liked. As far as stuff from the past, from like the recent... Past, I would say the first few seasons of Dexter really blew my mind. Yes. Uh, I heard the ending is so unsatisfying. It was, but like they had some tremendous... Season one of Dexter might be my I, favorite. I did episode. the first two, and then I was like doing a semester abroad, and I stopped, and I never jumped back in. Yeah. But I should do the Colin Hanks and the um, John Lithgow season, I've mm-hmm. been told. Those oh, the two John are, Lithgow season's amazing. Those two are really I think that's good. season three or four. Okay. Uh but yeah, the early seasons of Dexter and uh, I liked I like American Horror Story. I did the first year of that, and then I stopped during the first episode mm-hmm. of season two. Yeah, um, there were aliens, and I said oh, I'm okay. <laughs> but I've heard this season's really good with Freak Show. Yeah, I need to catch up on that. There's uh, The Wire is great. One of the all time best. It was just they're doing a marathon this weekend in oh. HD, and I oh wow. Yeah, I remember when I watched it. it, it was still in like that fuzzy. So yeah, they're just now putting oh, yeah. it out this weekend. Uh, That's a long marathon of, but it's it's my favorite show mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah. Um, oh, and the Twilight Zone. Nice. The yeah. Twilight Zone. I watched a ton of it growing up as a kid, and that like if you're like a writer or an aspiring writer looking for just a super basic story structure, sure. Then the Twilight Zone is like it's like for dummies. It's like you literally have a monologist be like, this is your character, <laughs> this is their deal, yeah. here's here's the conflict or, or something events, weird. Yeah. or something weird that we're going to set in motion, and then at the end, like, we have that character change, and then we have a closing monologue where we basically recap everything and give right. the moral lesson <laughs> of the story. Yeah, it's so true. That's why I love, and just like the, uh, the cheesy acting. It's, it's a just, good story 101, though. I'd never thought about Twilight Zone that way, though. Yeah. It's good. This is how you set everything up. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the way that actors acted in the 60s was just so overblown, and I find it hilarious to this day in an ironic way. Yeah. Um, I find the stories great, non-ironically, but sure. I find the acting... So over the top. It's crazy. Soap opera dramatic. I recently yeah. learned that that's called the transatlantic accent, and it's an accent that people didn't use in real life. But between the 1920s and maybe the 80s, it was the predominant way that people would speak in movies sure. and stuff. And it was just, like, to enunciate a bunch and really emphasize the stuff you wanted to emphasize. Yeah. Nobody would talk like that in real life. That's not casual, like, at the bar talk. Yeah, it was, like, the, 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 it was the manner in which Humphrey Bogart, like, delivered the line, quite frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. No <laughs> one would talk like that. No. But... That's the way everybody did in movies back then. So with The Wire, 
just because I think it's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Who are your favorite characters from that show? And there's a ton. I love Bubs. I love Bubbles. Bubs yeah. the best. McNulty. Jimmy's the yeah. Yeah. I didn't know for the longest time that McNulty was uh he's Irish. British. Oh, yeah. He's British. Yeah. Um, what Stringer Bell is British. Oh, yeah. And there's talk that he's going to be James Bond now. Yeah, that got um, that released through the Sony yeah. emails. And then on Luther, he's very good. I've seen a handful of Luthers. That's on something else some pe- people have recommended to me. You got to get on it. You're running out of time. I do. Uh, I did one or two episodes, and it was it was good. I just didn't have enough time to do it at the time. Um, yeah. Somebody else is British on that show. I think. I don't know. I can't think of anything. I love Bunk. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar is my favorite. But oh yeah, he's he's the best. Omar Stringer Bell, mm-hmm. Barksdale, the whole lot of them. Yeah, I miss it. I miss the wire. Yeah, I did it as soon as I moved to Baltimore. Everybody was like, "You have to." That would have been have great as it. like an anthology. Even though they they treated each season separately, kind yes. of like an anthology, still followed the same detectives. Mm-hmm. But I would love just the same the same people to produce a similar show. Yeah. yeah. David Chase is... Is, yeah. is yeah. he doing anything now? Has he done anything recently, do you know? Not that I know of. Um, I know he did Homicide on the Streets before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he's put out recently. Um, I'm a big uh, big fan of The Wire. It's very well done. And House of Cards is oh, also yeah. filmed in Baltimore. That's great. So both of those shows are fun for me because I can see all the places I lived for five years. And I'm like, oh, I know that park. That, that used to be a block away from my house. Or I know where that store is. Or that strip club for... Uh, what's it called on the wire? Yeah, <laughs> it's like I drove by that Orlando's all the time, mm-hmm. though it's called the Ritz. But yeah, the House of Cards is great too. Yeah, and both. Speaking of Netflix shows, BoJack Horseman. If you've ever seen, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's not the best show ever. No, it's not. But it's, it has a unique perspective, and it's silly. And I just love, I love anthropomorphizing animals. It's just so silly. Like, you tell people the concept. It's like, yeah, it's a sitcom horse from the 90s. It's hilarious. There's a Christmas special they put up. I haven't mm-hmm. watched it yet. Um, I, I did watch that. Is it it good? was good. It's basically a bottle episode where you're looking at the Christmas episode of Horse and Around. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I like Aaron show. Paul a lot because I did Breaking Bad, and mm-hmm. then I love Will Arnett from Everything and yeah. Arrested and... Yeah. Uh, Allison Brie is super funny on there. Mm-hmm. I think Paul F. Tompkins is well. Uh, Tom- as Peanut Butter, the Golden yeah. Retreat, Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> um, yeah, very, very funny show. I like Orange is the New Black, but I don't love it enough that I would ever recommend it to somebody. Mm-hmm. I need to finish that last season, too. Yeah, and it's yeah. good. I'll do the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at uh, House of Cards. Whenever that comes out, that's my weekend. If yeah. it's out on Friday, I'm done by Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, I, l- I just I eat it up. Yeah. And so. Yeah, there's a new one called Marco Polo. I, my cousin and I, I in Philly, we were talking. He started and he likes it. Mm. Um, he's a, he's a Game of Thrones guy, so he's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's Netflix attempting to do a Game of Thrones style it's show. Smart. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, which Thrones is awesome. And HBO doesn't really make bad TV shows, though. No, not very often. So we have my favorite book, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. Okay. And I do a question from this book with everybody who's on the show. Okay. And there's a few numbers left, so you can pick. There's 23 questions, but the available numbers are 2, 5, 6, 12, 13, 14, 16, 18, and 22. I'll take 22. All right. 22. And are these questions on a list with any theme or anything? Is there a title to this list of questions? The title of the list of questions is... 
The 23 questions I ask everybody I meet in order to decide if I can really love them. Okay, so you're deciding if you could really love me, right? Yeah, or the collective group of all the people in, okay. in Pittsburgh. Uh, so question 22. You work in an office. Generally, you are popular with your coworkers. However, you discover there are currently two rumors circulating in the office gossip mill, and both involve you. Okay. The first rumor is that you got drunk at the office holiday party and had sex with one of your married co-workers. This rumor is completely true, but most people don't believe it. The second rumor is that you have been stealing hundreds of dollars of office supplies and then selling them to cover a gambling debt. This rumor is completely false, but virtually everyone assumes that it is factual. Which of these two rumors is most troubling to you? Mm, okay, so just to recap, the first rumor is that I slept, got drunk and slept with a married co-worker at an office party, and people don't believe that. Correct. Uh, and then the second one is that I'm <laughs> running a gambling ring by, by stealing office supplies. You're covering your, you've been betting on the Knicks and clearly losing. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so you are stealing office supplies and selling them to cover the, your losses. Mm-hmm. And, that and people one, believe that one. People do believe it, but it's not true. I would say the the second one is more unsettling to me because people would believe that I would do that. You know what I mean? The first the first one is a terrible thing also, sleeping with a married coworker, but people don't if people don't believe it, if it's just a rumor that's floating around and people one or two people believe it and the rest of people don't. I don't really can you kind of got away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then the second one... I, basically, I'm more unsettled <laughs> by people thinking it's true. <laughs> okay. So, People's perceptions of you is worse than the actual reality. If you want reality. to put it that way, that's, real, that's the most disturbing thing <laughs> of all. Um, it's okay to bang a married woman as long as you don't get caught. I mean, everybody's got urges. That's true. And nobody believes it. Yeah, exactly. She's not worried about it. She wouldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, like, the third question is, can her husband fuck me up? Right. Is is he tougher than me? (laughs) Oh, man. So, um, yeah, guys, believe that I fucked my married co-worker. Nice. Nice. How, How is it working with a bunch of improvisers? There's a ton of people it's that work at your spot. It's more normal than you would think. Yeah. Like, we, like, because right now it's me and Anne, mm-hmm. Kat, and Jasmine Davis, who does improv on and off. Okay. Um, and Michelle is... Yeah, yeah, I had now. lunch with her in Philly. Uh, yeah. So she's excited that she's on board there with you guys. Uh, and then we used to have Travis Corey, and Dylan know. used to work there. Oh, cool. Um, and even when they, them two, like, those scoundrels. <laughs> when they were there together they were quiet yeah so it's um it's just like working anywhere maybe we're just a little have a little more fun than usual but it's just it's work yeah you're still getting paid to do mm-hmm. the job so you can't be doing scenes in the middle of the office no although we do we'll we'll mess around and have fun every once in a while but but it's a busy busy place yeah certainly there's work to be had mm-hmm uh, do you like to golf? No. 
No, I don't either. Um, but I <laughs> got that one out good. of Good. Golfing sucks. Um, the question I always asked people when I was interviewing them to work for me at a company in, in Baltimore, if you were going to go golfing and you could bring three people with you in a foursome, who would you take? So for people who don't golf, I always allow it to be like a mimosa brunch. Somebody, you're going to spend three hours with these people uh-huh. sitting around and talking, and they can be living or dead, celebrities, family members, I don't care who they are. Who would you want to have over for brunch? Okay. Uh, and this is assuming they're completely on board and they're not going reluctantly. No, they want to yeah. be there. You've okay. invited them and they want to come with you. I would say uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Mark Hoppus from Blink-182. Sure. And, uh, I need a lady in there. Let's get this party started. Uh, and, uh, um, Alia Shawkett from Arrested Development. I think she's hilarious. Is that, uh, Maybe? Yeah, that's a girl who plays Maybe. I mean, I could have, I could have given you ten names that were just as good. Those are the three. That's a good list, though. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys talk about? What do you serve? Uh, I don't know, but I feel like all those people um, are willing to share, like, parts of themselves, or just, like, weird, weirdness and yeah. stuff. So we would probably talk about our, our weirdness and our idiosyncrasies and stuff like that. You've been watching Jerry's uh, web series? Yeah, I, I watch Comedians in Cars. Oh, I like it a lot. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to see them kind of just casually sitting around and bullshitting. And it's also great advertising. They love, <laughs> yeah, they love, what is it, Acura? Uh, no, I think it's, is it Acura? I think it might be, actually. I don't know. But the fact that we can't remember means or maybe it's maybe not, it's not that great. Yeah. I think it's Acura. Because I know, like, they, they'll do spots for whatever car brand it is throughout it, but... He's not limited to that car. Right. right, certainly not for the classic cars he drives. And yeah. Stuff. Although a lot of those cars break down, like mm-hmm. mid-drive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, i got to see the finale with Jimmy Fallon. Ugh. That sounds good. Yeah. It's been good. I've really liked this season of it. Mm. What else? Anything else? That's a, it's like the whole show. Um, no, I, we covered a ton. Um, Have you ever broken on stage? Or if you've ever made somebody not, break? Are we not counting jams? That's... Because yeah, like, I, and jams jam. I'll break all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never really, really broken to the fact where I couldn't respond or deliver a line or anything. Sure. But there's this, a scene in a jam with me and Kyle where we both broke. <laughs> and just like... Like, somehow... He, like we initiated like his dick was in a cast <laughs> and just it was just like three lines in uh, three lines in we know that I'm a prostitute who squeezed his dick too hard Broke and put penis. it in, into a cast and then fourth line I reveal that my name is Orangina and then <laughs> and then we both were just screwed for the rest of the scene um, totally normal name yeah uh, no, I've probably broken in small ways in a lot of different times, but yeah, I've never like just like completely been rendered uh, like incapable of continuing the scene because of it. Yeah, 
Awesome, man. I'm yeah. glad that, uh, thank you for being our coach, first and foremost. Oh, Let's yeah, so it's, it's a blast. I mean, it's, uh, it's great to just keep, keep learning new things about coaching. And uh, one thing I'm noticing is that, like, you start, like, rooting for people. Sure. More. I believe that. Um, <clears throat> which is, like, one thing I really like about coaching is being like, hey, like, this person could work on this thing. And then watching them make that change and make that step is just really, yeah. really awesome to see. Good. And if you are uh, still looking for classes, Sundays at 3 o'clock, Ben will be teaching yeah. at uh, the Steel City Improv Theater. And that starts on Sunday the, Sunday the 11th. 11th. So, you so still have another week. Depending on when this comes out, you'll have, I don't know, you'll have some time. We'll get this out before then. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, awesome. And then... Uh, and then come out to the Steel City Improv Theater for Monday nights when you can see both me and Garrett. Perform every Monday with Fervor and Carousel Rehab. Our good friends, the Halos, will be there, too. Yeah. And just give us a catchphrase. That's how we end the episode. Um, uh, up in a million. Nailed means, it. Means nothing. <laughs> a skit digital production. Executive producers, Casey Daly, Garrett Teitelbaum, Justin Zappel. 